Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. to you, my dear. Good morning, Debbie. I have a little bit of a cold, and we tested yesterday for COVID to make sure that we were, it was not COVID, and we, so my voice is a little, a little off, a little wonky. Well, mine um, is too. Not, not for that reason. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just, you know, the, I mean, I haven't, I've been bragging. That's why I have a cold, because I've been bragging about the fact that for the last two years, since mm-hmm. we've been masking it up and washing our hands, you haven't and staying, had one. I haven't had a single cold. Yeah. I had I had one little cold around Thanksgiving. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I have for the most part, I've been well. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> but my voice is is rough and scratchy because I sang a lot this last weekend. I had a gig Friday night. I had a gig Saturday night. And then my daughter and I had our big gig on Sunday. I know. Um, so so. I, I wasn't able to be there. We had a family kind of party on Sunday. But tell me, tell me how it went. Well, it was, it was, it was pretty magical. It was um, just to perform in, in a venue like that. You know, that's probably one of the only places in town where local people maybe feel a little bit like a rock star. It's a, it's a very, very nice venue with lights and really big sound and and so and it's not very big but there's a balcony yeah there's a balcony and so when people are up in the balcony and you're looking up and yeah, you see those people it can be very intoxicating yeah, yeah. very cool it was it's cool to be in the audience it's cool to be on that stage yeah we had a we had a really nice turnout and just a lot of love and support in that room and uh Carter and I just had a great time and so yeah I love it. Yeah, so I love it. congratulations. You know, it was really fun. We, so, it, 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 it is recorded. You can go back to the Fresno Music Academy and Arts Facebook page. Okay, and you can watch it. <gasps> I will do that. Yeah, I will and, do that and, this and you afternoon. Can watch. So, and they're yeah. gonna try to take that um, that and sync it up to the audio. They did record it on the board, and they're gonna try to sync it up. Sync the I mean, I don't know how good. We sound live. I mean, we're singing the Beatles, and there's a lot of it, but. There's a lot of magical moments, so. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Well, congratulations. So, yesterday, I felt like I had hit, been hit by a truck. <clears throat> I was cr- sort of cry off and on all day, and plus, I hate this weather. I know our earth needs the rain, but my brain and this dark, shitty weather just doesn't do good with me. Really? No. It yeah. energizes me. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I just, I'd rather be dancing naked in the rain than just about anything else. It, it, <laughs> it seriously does the opposite to oh, me. Oh, I'm it's so It's like sorry. my brain doesn't, I don't know. <laughs> it's I'm like so I feel like I can't see or something. So living in the Pacific Northwest I is would, really not in your, <laughs> anywhere no. in your future. <laughs> I couldn't, I, I mean, give me the heat. Yeah. And the sunshine. Okay. I just, I, I mean, I, I, I do think, I've never been officially diagnosed. Well, that's not true. Because one year, my doctor said, you know what? I think you might have seasonal affectivist disorder. Yeah. And he wrote me a prescription to go to a tanning bed. Oh. And to go get the UV light. Yeah. Did you do it? I did. Oh, nice. Yeah. He did. said, go get it. Go yeah. do it. It's not going to hurt you to do do it once or twice in this time of year when when I think you need it. Yeah. So I I did. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> well, you know, we're here to actually, t- today we're going to talk a little bit more about safe spaces. Mm-hmm. And this is a subject with, that we've touched on before. We touched on it last week. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk a little bit more about it because the truth of the matter is, is that the, the, the very reason that we set up this podcast and we started talking is to make sure that people knew that we know that we are far from perfect. Right. And we want people to have a safe place to say, you know what, this skeleton from my past is haunting me, mm-hmm. and, and I want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and so we want to be a safe space. And I know that I have not always been a safe space, right. not by any stretch of the imagination. You talked last week about how the stage is a safe space for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that this past weekend you felt very <laughs> loved I did. and appreciated. I did. 
I did. Because yeah. you were in your safety zone. Yeah, I totally was. And it's what's interesting is what happens to me afterwards because I really do have a, a weird down that happens afterwards. And, you know, I start, I, 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 I go through kind of a mental thing of, you know, did people really like it? You know, I qu- yeah. I question my motivations for wanting to even do it in the first place, and oh, we're just this is just Fresno, nobody cares, and, <laughs> you know, and why why what's the point of it? It's done. It didn't change anyone's life. You know, right. I go through this kind of weird. I don't know. It's not beating myself up, but I don't know what it is. But I recognize that I do that. Maybe it's just part of my process because I get really super nervous before. Right. I don't get nervous going and doing music at the winery. Okay. I don't get nervous for anything like that. But oh, okay. anything where I know people are like watching. Yeah. Like they're there to they're watch. Super close. Oh, so it's not like just a gathering place yeah. where people are drinking everyone's and dancing. Drink, and everyone's having... drinking, nobody cares kind of gigs. Yeah. I'm not nervous for it at all. But in a performance venue where people have paid to see you and are sitting in a chair that is, watching you. It's a whole different thing. Okay. It's a whole different thing. And I do. I go, I get nervous. I can't eat. I have to go to the bathroom. I, I just go through this thing. Yeah. And Carter... It was interesting to watch her kind of going through it as well. I feel a sneeze coming on. Um, <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Oh, God, I'm not alone. <laughs> no. Um, but we both, it's just like, okay, I'm just, I feel so tired. Like, how am I going to do this, you know? So, but once we got up there, then, yeah. you know, we both kind of come alive. And I wonder if that's part of the letdown at the end is just that you have so much energy. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, all that adrenaline and mm-hmm. all that excitement mm-hmm. and stuff. And it really, it's really like you've worked out for two hours. Yeah. Or three hours. Yeah. You know, by, the, by the time. It from really the, is. From the lead up to the, to the performance and then the two hour performance. Yeah. You have literally been working out for four yeah. hours. I mean, I don't know how many calories we burn. Exactly. You know, and <clears throat> so, um. So, yeah, I feel better today, though. I don't feel as tired today. Yesterday I woke up and I thought, oh, okay, today's going to be a day. I can feel it. You know, yeah. it's just going to. And, and the other thing is that my mom and my stepdad were at our house, and our house is small. Yeah. And um, my mom has some issues going on. And so. Some health issues? Or, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Some, some health yeah, yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so there's that, and just the dynamic of. Family, being in a close space. And oh, was your daughter there with you as well, staying at your house? She stayed at her dad's. Oh, okay. She okay. stayed at her dad's because my stepdad sleeps on the couch. My mom sleeps in the little guest bed thing. And yeah. Carter could have slept on a yoga mat <laughs> on the floor. I don't think she would want to do that. She's kind of thin and bony. I don't even think that yeah. that would have been yeah. enough cushion for her yeah. cute little body. She's little. She's little. So um, anyway, so um, but yeah, I do feel safe on the stage, and and yeah. it's because I think I it's a place that I know <clears throat> that I the gifts that I've been given. Yeah. I can use there. And so I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. in a sense, in the moment of it. But then, like I said, afterwards, I go through a thing, well, it didn't change anybody's life. (laughs) But then I think, well... Where's the value in what I do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But why do I have to feel like I have to change somebody's life? Why can't I just do something and give someone a great night? Bring joy for two hours, yeah. So it's just some weird thing that I think yeah. a lot of performers go through. I know you go through it too. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And when it, you just, just a little, if I'm there just to, if I'm at the theater just to MC, which is honestly like a five minute gig, I walk out, I welcome everybody. I tell them a little bit about the show that they're about to see or about what's going on yeah. at the theater. I make them smile. Hopefully I make them laugh. Mm-hmm. I shine the spotlight on a few people who are having birthdays or whatever. Yeah. And I am just in my bliss yeah. in that moment, yeah. just in my bliss. Yeah. And then I walk off and I can I, I mean, after five minutes of being on the stage, I can then cry all the way home. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make any sense. You know, it makes no sense as to why right. I'm, right. I'm so emotional after. Right. But it, it, is, it is when you go from safety to then 
not, you know, not safety. Yeah, yeah. It can really be jarring, yeah. you know. And I and I think that all of us have our safe. For some of us, it's a bed. Yeah. You know, it's just going yeah. to bed. I was just talking to a girlfriend a couple of days ago about that's her safe place is yeah. just curling up in her bed. Yeah. You know, yeah. so if I, could, w- if I could sleep better, maybe that would be one for me. But <laughs> because yeah. I don't sleep, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. So I wonder if Chris Rock feels safe on the stage these days. Well, that's a good <laughs> question, Miss Liz. <laughs> Golly. The slap heard around the world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I wonder if, um, I'm going to grab a tissue. I wonder if, um, you know, if Will Smith feels safe and if Jada feels safe. You know, there's there's multiple sides. There's not just two sides. There's actually multiple sides there really to that is. whole story. There really is. And, um you know, I think that Chris Rock felt either he felt safe enough that he thought, well, you know, the whole millions of people are watching. I can say this insensitive joke right. and nobody's going to say anything about it. Right. I'm, I'm just here being an insult comic. That's well, what comics uh, do. That is what comics do. I know they do so it many every, of them. They do it all the time. When Ricky Gervais hosted, was it the Oscars or the um, Golden Globes? Anyway, he did it like two years in a row. And I have... You know, not since the 50s have I heard so many insults Mm -hmm. and so many people attacked. And yet they just laughed and laughed and laughed. And so I, you know, yes, it was insensitive. um, But I I think he probably felt safe and felt like this was just... You know, and I also wonder if it was just spur of the moment, right. if he looked down and saw her in the yeah. front row and it was just a spur yeah. of the moment thing. Exactly. It's hard to know. Yeah. If it, I think, though, I mean, I thought he handled himself pretty well after it. Right. He had to. It's live TV, so he had to do whatever, pull himself together and continue on. I, the whole thing was so uncomfortable. It could have turned into a Jerry Springer brawl, yeah. you know. Um, and we were watching it at the time, and we just went, wow. And then the sound went out for, you know, 10 seconds because Will Smith was yelling, you know, curse words, dropping the F-bomb at him. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, on one hand, uh, there are a few people in my life that I wish my husband would slap. <laughs> Um, just being real. Uh, on the other hand, I'm so grateful for his respectful calm because he could easily, um, keep me uh, angry all the time. (laughs) But when I get frustrated, he's my, he's my respectful calm, you know? Mm -hmm. And there are times when I just wish that he could be that knight in shining armor and take out a sword and go take someone out. (laughs) Shall I say, shall we say who? No. (laughs) Well, okay, so uh, 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 let me tell you a little story about the weekend. I, we went to a family gathering and the, the second I walked in, the second I walked in, the first words out of a particular family member's mouth were what attacking me, um, being angry with me for not giving her some information. She ended up that. Even though she's angry with me, she actually got the information from someone else. So she had the information. I'm not sure why she was so angry with me for not giving it to her. And I was so dumbfounded, I just didn't know what to do. Right. And mm-hmm. I walked out of the house because there are other family members there. I had my grandson with me. I didn't want any of this, right? So we walked out, and she followed me to outside and kept after me. And so, of course, by that time now, I'm looking around and I said something to her. She said, is this what we're going to do? And I said, apparently we are. And, you know, it didn't really escalate beyond that. But I was so hurt. I I was so, so hurt because I didn't understand what just happened. Mm -hmm. I just didn't understand. Even now, as a couple of days have gone by, I don't understand what happened. Right. Or what made her so mad. Right. I you know? Hate, I hate that. Yeah. I just don't. Mm-hmm. And was it about you don't me? You know what you even did. Yeah. Was it about me or was it somebody else who triggered her and then she took it out on me? You know, we were saying before we started recording that Will Smith was triggered. Right. There's a difference between... There, 
when you get triggered, yeah, there's like a visceral thing yeah. that clearly happened to Will Smith, right? To where he just, I'm not gonna say he couldn't contain himself because he probably could have, but he just was in that moment and he got triggered and he just. And he responded. And he reacted. And reacted. He reacted. Yeah. 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 And and so I don't know mm-hmm. if this family member had been, tr- if I, if me walking in was a trigger, mm-hmm. you know, that I wasn't aware of being. Right. Um, but it was, it was incredibly hurtful. And it just feels more and more like that is not a safe space for me. Right. And so, so what does it take to be a safe space? Yeah, that's. And that's kind of where we left off last week, yeah. I think we were talking we about. Were talking. You know, it's one thing to, to talk about safe spaces, but how do how are we how do we become a safe space? And um, you know, I think being a trustworthy person is it comes into that for me, you know, when I think of if somebody's gonna tell me something that's confidential, um, really sticking to that. You yeah. know, and 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 not telling anybody, and if like if that means not telling your spouse, then not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like really not. And I mean, I can think of a handful of of situations for myself where I was specifically asked not even to tell my husband. Yeah, and I didn't. Yeah, and then it's like later on, it's like, how come you didn't tell me? I I was asked not to. Yeah, I was really truly asked not to, and so. And I, so I think if someone, people need to know that you're really going to have, you're going to keep your word. And that does, that's another thing is keeping your word. Right. Um, I, I know of situations from my own life where people haven't kept their word. And so then you, it doesn't feel safe because you don't really know if they're going to do what they say. Right. You know, so for me, if I'm going to tell somebody, you know. I'm going to, like, let's say you said to me, Deb, I don't, would you, could you go and, and stick these letters in the mailbox for me? Yeah. Just something as simple as yeah. that. You would need to know that I will really do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, and right. I don't, I don't know that I can say that I would trust just anybody <laughs> to do that for me. Right. Right? Like, right. I want it. I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask a person who I know is going to do it. Right. I mean, so so it's keeping your word and being trustworthy. Worthy. Those are the two things for me that I think make me be a safe space. Is yeah. that if somebody asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. Right. And if I if I can't do it, like if even if I say yes and then it turns out that I can't do it, then I need to go to that person and say, "You know what? I know I told you yes, but it's turned out that I can't do that. Right. So I'm really sorry. But but not like not, like I think of a young man who I hired recently to do a job for me at my house. Mm-hmm. The first time I called him, he called me right back. He came over. He did a great job. Now I've called him back to do a couple other things, and he won't answer my call. Mm-hmm. So, okay, then I... There's a trust thing there. Like, why isn't he answering my call? But then it all, well, what did I do? Did I make him mad? I don't know. What You know, there's right. all that. Right. But he's, like, I can't count on him. So he's not safe. Right. Right? Right. So I want to be a person that somebody can count on. Yeah. You know, I we were talking, I think it was last week that we talked a little bit about how my community is out, uh, the social media mm-hmm. is kind of my community. And it's because so much of my community are in the field of theater and acting, and they live all over the country. Mm-hmm. They Or they're involved in shows when I'm not, and vice versa. And so keeping in touch mm-hmm. is a little bit difficult to do. Right. But social media gives us an opportunity sure. to be, you know. And I do like putting out... Um, requests for, you know, prayers, good thoughts, those kinds of things. Although I have expressed that that's mm-hmm. something I'm not I going know to you, do I anymore know you, I because know it doesn't have. feel safe. Right. But, you know, it is something that I have enjoyed doing. I like connecting with people and saying, hey, you guys, I'm really struggling with this. You know, can I, can I trust you mm-hmm. to think good thoughts for me as I do this? And then I have family members who think, well, since you put 
that out on social media. If I tell you something, you're going to put what oh, I tell you on out social on social media. media. And so I don't want to tell you that thing. Right. But that's, that is not true. Right. Because if you ask me not to put it on social media, I won't. Right. I won't. Right. Uh, I, I didn't take group photos at my 60th birthday because there's certain family members that don't trust me to keep those pictures off social media, even though I am trustworthy in that why? because I haven't put them on social it's media. It's a birthday party, so that seems like a fine thing to put on social media. Not. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, it does. does for me. You know, I would love to say, look at all these people who celebrated me. Mm-hmm. But I have not one single picture of my 60th birthday party, um, except for a couple of individual pictures that I took with my own phone. And then there was a picture taken of my husband and I. But I have no group photos. None. Well, that's no fun. It is no fun. But I was so afraid that I would be blasted for even having the pictures that I didn't even want to go there. So I didn't take any group photos at my own 60th birthday. And mm-hmm. it's and now I'm sad about it. Right. And I hope that family members, when I'm gone, I hope that family members would think, oh, I wish I had a picture of mom at her 60th birthday. Yeah. But they won't. Right. Because right. we didn't take them. Right. You know? And so, um, you know, I, I think that just because we have a... Um, a level of safety that we're looking for in our own personal lives mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we should tell other people how to be safe in their lives. Right, that's right. For me, being out on social media does most of the time feel mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. And I have I have curated um, who I have in my social media so that I know that those people are the safe people. Right, right. And you know? it's funny because I have, I have some family members, several, who absolutely do not feel safe on Facebook and in social media. Right. It triggers them. And that's okay. Yeah, and I and so like you were just saying, it's just it's really interesting the places where we feel safe and don't. You know, there are a lot of people like really, really don't feel safe there. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so it just has to do with upbringing and personality traits and types and all of that stuff, you right. know. So I saw on the news this morning a story. It's kind of an ongoing story. It's been going on for a few months now of a young TikTok star. You know, who would have thought that we would be talking about these stars right. of TikTok um, who has been stalked. And one stalker was killed outside of her own home by her father, who was a retired police officer. And wow. he killed that stalker who came from another state oh. to see this young woman oh who's gosh. only like 16 years old, <gasps> 15. She's in high school. He killed the? He killed the young man who came, who became infatuated with this girl because of TikTok and started to stalk her, sent letters and, and came oh to her home goodness. from another state. Oh my goodness. I didn't, I haven't heard about that. And now, so that was about six months ago, and now she's in court trying to get a restraining order against a classmate who was harassing her in school, who was making her feel not what, safe enough what, to even go to high school. What kind of information is this young lady doing on TikTok? Oh, she's dancing. She's sharing you know, makeup tips. I don't know. I haven't seen her TikTok <laughs> because I'm not a 15 year old girl right. or a 15 year old boy. Right, right. You know. I mean, when I, I, I just. I mean, put, they showed some clips of it. Yeah, but. I just put TikTok, TikTok, ooh, TikTok, <laughs> back on my phone. I had put it on there like a year ago, and then I never went to it once. And so right. I took it off, and then I put it back on, and I watched it. This was maybe three or four weeks ago, yeah. and I sat there and like watched through it and I'm like what I don't want to be on here well and you know why it doesn't feel safe you know why TikTok doesn't feel safe and to some degree Instagram and Facebook too is because of the algorithms that the information that is sent to you um, based on what it is you look at so there's algorithms right and so people who are watching CNN might comment on something that CNN puts out and then they and then they give you more information based on that, right? On the other hand, if you're watching Fox and you comment on right. something Fox, they're like, "Oh, that engaged them." I don't see anything like that. Mine is like young girls 
like half naked on TikTok or on Facebook? On on TikTok. On TikTok. I don't watch anything like that. Why do I get that? Well, I think that they're probably trying to establish the algorithms because you haven't engaged too much. So, so that's just, but that's like the first thing that everybody wants to see. Right. So so they're just trying to learn what you're interested in. On TikTok, I don't like it. And I don't like it either. And so our friend Paul is on TikTok mm-hmm. and so every once in a while but you know how I see his videos is if he puts them on Facebook. <laughs> Look at them. Well, because I'm 60. I, get I his, can't I, be addicted to TikTok. Yeah, I get his email. So then I can, you know, go in there and, and choose what I would want to watch of his like that. And yeah. yes, and I do see it on Facebook too. But I don't know. It, but that's why social media sometimes isn't safe is because yeah. you are being manipulated into seeing things that, I don't that see. you don't want to see. I absolutely don't. Exactly. You know, and exactly. I don't I don't get you know, I don't understand why people do want to see all that, but I I guess I'm so busy that it just is a time suck. Right. You know, I mean right. I go on I go on Facebook in the morning for maybe at the most ten minutes. I'll see if there's anyone's messaged me, I'll kinda of go through my feed a little bit. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I just I don't uh, because I don't have time. Right. You know, if I maybe if I had more time, but and I don't think Facebook for me, it's not a safe space or an unsafe. It's sort of neutral. Neutral. That's the way I, I feel about it actually. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. really feel like it's super safe or scary. You know, it's just kind of a it's a tool mm-hmm. for my business mm-hmm. and to For your performing. Pr- yeah, to mm-hmm. promote me and Carter's show and mm-hmm. different things, but it's not a it's not a place where I would typically go to share something personal, although I have, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. have before, but I, you know, I'm not safe in, in large groups. And it's funny cause I am a performer, but like if I go down to the pub yeah, where my husband likes to go every day, um, it's loud in there and there's a lot of people and mm-hmm. That's not safe for me. Right. It's not. It's not that it's unsafe. Like I feel like I'm going to be harmed, but I don't feel 100% comfortable in in that environment because I can't. There's this person and that person, and I I feel scattered and I right. feel I don't feel settled. Well, a lot of people know you, and so they want your attention. And so, so I, when you go in, you can't just sit there with your husband and have a beer. Uh-uh. You've got people coming to the table. You've got people, you know, saying, oh, you're Debbie Rude. Uh, and there's, hey. And there's conversation that's happening that, you know, maybe they're talking about, I don't know what they're talking about. And right. I'm, like, bored right? sometimes because I don't, I'm not, I'm not in the conversation, so I'm just sitting there listening and then... Someone will say hi, and then I'm like trying to listen over here and trying to listen over here, and ah, yeah, you know. So that's not 100% safe for me. That's mainly why I don't go. Well, you know, it's funny as a performer, you get. Um, You know, you have sometimes you have fans that, like you said, being on the stage is awesome. You love the feedback. You love the live energy. Yeah. You know, but if all of a sudden you had some crazy person following you out backstage afterwards, then everything, all the good that you just experienced is no is overshadowed by that. By that. Yeah. And and you know, I just had a teensy tiny itty bitty taste of that like twenty five years ago when I did this Save Mart commercials, which is a, a local grocery which store. Which I chain. recently saw. <laughs> And so this these Save Mart spots ran constantly back in the day. Yes. They ran constantly, they and they had a very um, they had a very <laughs> quotable tagline, and you know yeah. there was all these nineteen nineties um, you know laser sounds, and it was all very yeah. funny. But I remember I remember being in the line at um, the bank, and somebody literally on like a flip phone or whatever saying, you're not going to believe it, but the Save Mart woman is right behind me. She's right behind me. And then I remember being in a grocery store and this guy following me around. As I was shopping, he was following. And he just goes, I just I just want to say I love your commercials. And <laughs> and he's just like, I love your commercials. You know, he could, it was just, <laughs> oh my gosh. And so 
That's awesome. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, being in the line at the bank felt, even though they're like, oh my gosh, the same art woman's behind yeah. me. But they didn't talk to me. They're just talking to somebody else. And yeah. I thought, that's kind of creepy. And then there's a guy in the grocery store following me around, right. you know, and that didn't feel safe. Right. And so um, it's funny how the thing that makes you feel the safest can also um, be the thing that hurts you the most. And I think social media is kind of that way. Yeah, you, do. you go on, you say something that that well that comes from your heart, and then you're attacked. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, I felt safe to be authentic, my authentic right. self. Right, right. And you're stealing that from me. Right, right. Because because social media often is a place where there's not a lot of filtering in terms of what people want to say or feel free the freedom to say so I mean I've had that experience too where I put something out there that I felt was you know neutral and wasn't going to upset anybody I would I'm pretty I try to be aware of that even if I'm saying something that is um has to do with my belief system or something like that I still try to be accepting or whatever and I've been blasted and and it's hurtful it's very hurtful. It's very, very hurtful. Well, I mean, families are supposed to be safe spaces, and they're often the thing that aren't. Our, our spouses are often, that's a place where we're supposed to have safety. Yeah. Not supposed to, but, you know, it's important that you feel safe with your spouse. And, and, and you know, I suppose what the way we should look at it is that this particular family member who came after me on Sunday, um, she felt safe to... Say what she wanted to say to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe, and I, and I think a lot of families are kind of that way, where, you know, somebody feels safe enough to explode. And it's not helpful right. or whatever, but they know that they're going to be loved unconditionally no matter what. Right. And so they feel safe to be a brat. Well, and, <laughs> and, and I would say that there's room for that if it's occasionally, but I think that you know, from what I understand that you've shared with me, this isn't an occasional thing. No, it's it's kind of a constant. It's kind of been been a constant thing. So, you know, I mean, there's room for once in a while someone to be whatever. They're having a bad day. Uh Uh-huh, and maybe, but if it's all the time, then that, you know, and that's, I mean, I think that that's probably ultimately why divorces happen Mm -hmm. and stuff is because, you know, things happen over time and happen repeatedly, repeatedly, and there's patterns, and all of a sudden people don't feel safe, and people don't feel trusted, and people don't trust, and there's arguing, and yeah. because it no longer becomes safe for for whatever reason, right. you know. And you know, I mean, I I'm in my second marriage, and you know, I I feel like I'm constantly trying to not repeat mistakes that I made in the first one because I don't want this one to go away, you know? Right, right, So trying to be better this time and trying to make my spouse feel safe and loved and connected and, you know. Do you ever find yourself um, making an assumption about something your husband says or does based on your baggage from the past? Sure. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And that doesn't create a safe space for him to no, be his authentic self. It does not. So, you know, how many times must he say, I'm not that guy yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, and not that he has to say that, but, you know, the proverbial, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't, you know, I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, I've been married to my husband for 36 years and there are still some baggage from the two and a half years I spent with an incredibly abusive husband that, you know, sometimes my husband will say something or do something that I get very triggered over. And it's been 36 years, 37 years. Well, we can be also, I mean, just having triggers from childhood traumas and stuff can, can cause people not to feel safe. I mean, I, you know, because of my history, I mean, I'm one of these people, I'm like hypervigilant. I'm, I'm sort of this person that's, you know, when's the shoe going to drop, right. you know, and I feel like there's a lot of my life that I spend kind of in an, ang- an anxious kind of with my guard up, you know, what's the next bad thing that's going to happen. And that totally comes from childhood trauma. And I, 
I, I recognize that. Right. And so I'm aware that, you know, that was then, this is not happening now, all that. But until you can even gain some of that kind of awareness, you know, everything can maybe feel unsafe. Right. And so right. I, I, I think, you know, recognizing the things in yourself that make you a safe space and then seeking those relationships out where you know that someone's not going to share your secret. You know that somebody's going to do what they're going to say. And I don't know. I don't know what other things, what are there any other things that make you like, what makes you a safe person? What, what are the things that you try to aspire to? So, um, I, I think a lot of people know that if they are in a very bad place or if their children are in a bad place, they can come to me. Yeah. And I'm somebody that can will listen. Mm -hmm. So I'm very good at listening. I'm very good at, um, you know, I'm not asked to keep too many secrets. I've, I've been asked to keep secrets, but I'm not asked to keep too many secrets. But I also know that if somebody comes to me and tells me about their child, I know that it's not going to benefit the family or the child because we've been there, done that. It's not going to benefit them or their child for me to talk about it. Sure. So they don't have to ask me to not talk about it. Right. I, I know that it's not going to benefit anybody to do right. so. Right. Um, so I'm I'm very good at listening. But the other thing that I'm that I'm pretty good at is that people will ask me for advice based on my history. They will ask me for advice. I will then give it. If they don't follow that advice, I'm very good at accepting that they are them and this is me and not following my advice, mm -hmm. that my advice is not about me. Right. It's about what is best for them and their family. Right. So just because somebody doesn't follow your advice doesn't mean that you haven't been valuable right. in them finding the answers to their problems in their way. Right. Right. You know, so those are things that I'm able to let go. Mm -hmm. They didn't follow my advice. Well, that's they, they deserve what they get. No, that's not me. Yeah. That's not who I am. Right. I will just say, well, they they did things their way, you know, and mm -hmm. that's yeah. OK. And yeah. they asked me and I gave it to them. And, you know, mm -hmm. so I think that that is one of my strengths is being able to give advice and then not carrying a grudge against somebody who doesn't follow it. Right. Right. I don't I don't know that I find myself in a position of giving advice too often, but I do I do recognize that me as a vocal coach in my vocal studio, it's a pretty safe space yeah. for people. You know, singing is a pretty vulnerable thing. And I I have a lot of people who um, land in my little studio who have fear and right. trepidation of opening their mouths and making sound and what's going to come out. And, and I have really, really tried to provide a safe space for that. And I think our choir... Um, hearts on fire I've created an environment there that feels safe for people it does come, feel safe to come and yeah, sing and it does feel safe um, did I talk about yoga last time yeah you did and how safe it is in there and yeah. I you know and that's that's um, it, it's just an unusually safe space I feel you know for myself um, you know I don't think that church is necessarily safe. It should be, but it's not. Yeah. So I think just, you know, in recognizing safe spaces for each individual, what's safe for me, where are you? I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's important for us to seek those places out. I, I go and work out um, once a week with my friend, and her gym is called Safe Space. Oh, awesome. And I and I I love that name, you know. It's it's and just knowing her like I do, I imagine that the the word safe space is is very um, multi-dimensional it in is. its meaning, and it means many different things. It's not just a safe space for you to work out, but it's a safe space for you to to share talk, and to talk. share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's been that to it's, be. Yeah, to yeah. just be whoever you are. Yeah, in all your weirdness. And and so many yeah. so many places on this planet, it doesn't feel like you can really be who you are it's you know you have to you have to wear some kind of mask in yeah. different places and you you know you can't with with some people you can't swear and other people you can <laughs> some people you can 
Yeah, I don't know. Right. You know, right, my, right. my friend Kelly, she and I can talk about pretty much anything. I can say anything stupid to her just to make her laugh. <laughs> you know, um, speaking of Kelly, we, we you know, we, we interviewed her about a year ago. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, she She's not officially engaged, but she's unofficially engaged. Aww. I think I can, I think I can safely say that. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. If any of you uh, go back to about a year ago, we interviewed her after she lost her husband to um, a very aggressive mm-hmm. pancreatic pancreatic it was actually Uh, a prostate 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 cancer and um it was it was very sudden and it was it kind of went faster than they expected and she kind of told her story and it was a beautiful story so if you want to go back and look in the archives at the story of kelly that's awesome yeah he died i think it's coming up on five years okay so she was single for many you know and and then met met a met a man and She's she's very happy. Oh, that's so, awesome. That's well, maybe maybe we'll have to get her in town and do a follow up interview. Well, yeah, we, yeah. we can do that. Yeah. So, so um, she would. Maybe we can we can interview both of them because oh. because he actually lost his wife too. Um, about a year. I want to say a year after Kelly lost her husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're both in that same yeah. place. Wow. And so anyway. That's but, awesome. You know, I think that that's. Um, I think that 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 is a that that is a very um, important reminder. Is that we don't know what somebody has been through or what their journey has where their journey right. has taken that's them, right. and so when they walk into our circle of influence, mm-hmm. we have to remember that they may have very few safe spaces, and so it's important for us to give them for however much time we have with them, whether it's just a brief encounter of saying, hey, welcome to the theater. Let me walk you to your seat. That is my opportunity to make somebody feel safe for 30 seconds of talking to them. Because I don't know, maybe they have multiple safe places. Maybe their families are super safe and they go to a good church and they have a job that they absolutely love and feel appreciated in. I doubt they all have that. Maybe they don't feel safe anywhere, and coming into a public environment is very, very difficult for them. Imagine being a homeless person and having to sleep on the street. That can't feel safe at all. That must feel like the most naked, vulnerable place to be. And so when I, I walked up to your um, to your uh, studio this morning and to do this podcast, there was a homeless woman out there in front, mm-hmm. and I stood by the door, and she said to me, oh, she just went to get coffee. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'll just wait for her. And she's looking in the mirror, in the window, at her reflection, mm-hmm. and she's just combing back with her fingers her hair. Mm-hmm. She has no teeth. Mm-mm. She's wearing. She had a black eye too. She had a morning. black eye as well. I don't know. And why. I don't. I don't know what happened. Me and, but she was combing back her hair, which I noticed had like paint in it, as if she'd been around. You know how you get white paint when you're <laughs> yeah. painting. She had, yeah. And it didn't look like it. You know, it didn't look like yeah. gray. It looked like she had been around paint or something. And her hair was very, very wet or greasy or something. And she's just combing it back. She was cold. Yeah. She was clearly, clearly. Somebody stole her blanket. Right. You know, just drove away with her blanket. But even that made her kind of laugh. She said she walked away for a second, and then she saw some guy on a bike taking her blanket. And she's like, well, well, there goes my blanket. And so as she's combing back her hair and looking in the mirror, she said, well, looks like maybe I can start my day, mm-hmm. you know, and she's just, I mean, and then I saw you walk up and you gave her some hot chocolate and Debbie brought her some blankets and that Dude. was just so, oh, I just can't stand it. Well, I know. I'm not always that nice. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, you know, so so we have a, a local homeless shelter here in town. We have a couple of places where you can go if you're in need here in town. And at the homeless shelter has run some ads on TV that say, you know, we don't have a homeless problem. We have a my dad started me on meth when I was 10 problem. We have a... I've been beaten more times than I can count, and I had to get out of that problem. Right. We have a, I lost my job, 
and I can't find another one problem. Right. We have a, I went to jail and now nobody will hire me problem. Right. You know, we have a mental health crisis we do problem. Have a, we do have a mental health crisis problem. And, you know, you see these homeless people on the streets and you just don't know their story. Mm-mm. And just because they irritate you or just because you might be afraid of them mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they themselves are not terrified right. of their situation. Right. I mean, she's a small little woman that I I don't... I've seen her around a lot and talked to her many times. Yeah. And, um, it, <clears throat> excuse me, she's small. Yeah, she's very Physically small. Physically small and, and, you know, I don't... I. But you know what she said to me when we were waiting for you to come up to the door? Hmm. She said, I can't be with my family because they're not safe. Interesting. And she said, I want them to come see me. And I said to them, why don't you just come see me? And they said, well, we don't feel safe coming out there where you are. She said, well, then I guess that's it. We're just not going to see each other. But she used the word she safe. She used the word safe. Well, that's, see, well, there's the whole point, people, of what we're talking about. Of what about. we're talking about is being safe. And everybody deserves to feel safe. Mm-hmm. I, I Well, and like I had said, um, I think at the start of last week's podcast, you know, what are the things that human beings need? And, you know, there's the obvious things, food and shelter and water. Yeah. But... Human beings need to feel safe yeah. to, to, to grow up and to develop into functioning normal, normal, quote normal, unquote, yeah, whatever uh, that looks like, whatever that is. But but I'll say physically and emotionally and mentally, spiritually healthy grownups, right. there has got to be safety. And most of us have some kind of places in our past where we didn't get that. Right. And so there are some there are some places and in in our psyches that that have those empty places that you know we weren't we didn't we weren't provided the safe places that we require right and kids especially you know and who knows what happened to that woman yeah like you say she has a story she, and she, and she has and she right now she has a black eye i mean something happened yeah. you yeah. know and it's just heartbreaking i i remember a couple of uh two couples came into the theater um, a few years back and they sat down up front at table 4 you know exactly where table 4 I'm is sorry. but it's right up against the stage and i i apologize if i've shared this story before but it's so relevant because they were sitting up at table 4 which is which hugs the stage mm-hmm. and one of the wives came over to me and said my our husbands are police officers and we were wondering if we could move back do you understand and i said I'm happy to see if we can find a place back at the back of the theater for you, but I'm afraid I don't understand. And she said, they cannot sit here and enjoy the show with their back to the audience. They can't see what's happening. They need to see what's in front of them. How interesting is that? They need to see the people around I, them. I can dig it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so as a police officer, they're just so trained mm-hmm. to not turn their back to somebody that they don't know. So they know. needed to be... So they needed to sit at the back of the, the house. In the 40s. In the 40s. That's where I like to sit. I like to sit there anyway, too, because you can see everything mm-hmm. from there. Mm-hmm. But they... So they wanted to move back to the 40s so that they didn't have to have their back to the majority of the audience. And that was very, that that really was poignant to me and it really spoke to me mm-hmm. on a lot of levels. Listen, I can be somebody who's not a huge fan of the police sometimes because I have been in situations where they have not made me feel safe. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, one of these days I'll have to share specifically uh, two stories that have been, t- to this day, are very triggering mm-hmm. and heart-wrenching for me. Um, regarding law enforcement. But, you know, there are times when you're just like, ah, cops, they're, you know, they're yeah. tough, they're, they're arrogant, <laughs> right. they right. aren't afraid of anything. Right. But these guys were felt very vulnerable mm-hmm. with their backs to the audience. I'm going to bring up this one quick little story. Yes, of course. To maybe to close, but um, there's a, vi- a music venue in town 
where they have a long skinny stage and the back wall of the stage are windows to the street. Right. And every single time we play there, I feel uncomfortable. Yes. Because my back is to the window to the street. Yes. And I I always feel that. And it, it feels unsafe. It feels like it, a car could go out of control and un- smash through that it's window. So it weird. feels like a stranger could. It's so could pound on the. I and people get do, it. And people do. You hear people will knock, and you, I mean, I feel like every time I'm singing on that stage, I'm constantly looking, and I can't. I can't help myself. I get it. You know. I get it. That's that's just a silly little simple example of. Feeling safe. Yes. You know, so. Yes. So, so yeah. it's, it's important for us to understand that that everybody we encounter has safe spaces and not safe mm-hmm. spaces. And we could trigger, we can be the Chris Rock that triggers somebody's, yeah. uh, you know, anger or yeah. frustration. And we don't even know what we did to do it. Right. But we have to be aware that just our just our presence mm-hmm. can be a safe space right. by saying hello, by not calling that beautiful woman out front any kind of names or being derogatory in any way. Right. You know? Right. Because she needs to know that she's safe. Right. Just for five minutes. Right. While right. she's chit-chatting with us, she right. was safe. So I think we just need to to really understand that the people who are walking down the street, the people who are angry, the people who are triggered and fighting and whatever, let's give them that that opportunity to feel safe, even for five minutes. I agree. I agree. So, well. Send us your story at wedancewithskeletons at gmail.com or go to the website dancingwithskeletons.net. Talk to us. Reach out to us. Let us be your safe space and know that that we're not perfect. Oh, my gosh, I can betray people at the drop of a bat, you know, without meaning to, without meaning to. So I I don't mean to be an unsafe space. I really mean to be a safe space. Me too. I I really, really do too. So we will see you all soon, and we thank you for tuning in, and please like us on social media uh, yeah like us on Facebook. I don't yeah. listen to us give us five stars on Apple Podcasts yeah, 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 because yeah. we want we because we like stars yeah we do <laughs> <laughs> all right have a great day bye